everybody. Welcome to Rumors versus Facts. My name is Rodney Nabulsi. I'm joined by Jed May, Trent Smallwood, and the new guy, Lance McCurley. Lance is a new addition to the recruiting room at UJSports.com. We're going to put him through the paces and uh, just haze the absolute living hell out of him as much as possible. Uh, kind of like we've done for, I guess, about uh, six uh, six years or with uh, Jed. I know it's only been like a year or two, but he says it feels like six. So, uh, be sure to put in uh, in the comment section there, you know, all your questions for Lance because I know you really want to know more about him. And uh, just hit him up with uh, any things that he might have seen. All right, Jed, Trent, Lance. Uh, first things first. Let's let's go in order of priority. Who's committing next? I want to start right there. It's a 2024 class. The football season's here. There's actual real football this week. I know you guys have been out seeing some games, but all anybody wants to know is who's going to be the next commit. And last week we were saying some of the uh, potential commits were far off, but now we've got some guys that just, they're not too far off. So uh, hit, hit me up with who's going to be next. Yeah, there's um, there's Chris Cole, linebacker from Virginia, who's committing on September 10th. Like he's got that date set. Um, <clears throat> Aiden Breland, the defensive tackle. Um, actually, Adam Gorney, our national recruiting director, had a story today. Uh, if I could find it. Uh, Aiden Breland quoted as saying, quote, it's time to make a decision. Me and my family have come down to a top four. It's going to drop pretty soon. So that's all I can say, really. So uh, not given too much away in terms of like a favorite or even a you know, a, um, a a specific timeline, but he sounds like he's ready to wrap things up pretty soon. Uh, we, we like where Georgia sits there. Uh, so those two guys and then some other targets, you know, Cam Michael uh, from Statesboro doesn't really have a date or timeline set. LJ McCray has hinted at it being October, but that's not really set in stone by any means. So those are kind of the big the big four right now. I mean, there, there's uh, Steve Imbuma from from Canada, who is is a, a target. He doesn't have a timeline set, and that one's gonna probably gonna go deeper into the fall just because he reclassified. So uh, the only one with the date set. Long story short, is um, is Chris Cole on September 10th. But Breland sounds like it could be soon. McCray could be October, and then we're we're kind of waiting to see after that. Tell me what's going on with Chris Cole there, uh, Trent. Yeah, uh, you know, we we discussed this last time. I, I do like where Georgia stands coming out of, um, you know, July. He, the last week of July, he visited Tennessee. Tennessee's trying to get him back on campus for an official visit before he announces on September 10th. Uh, I'm, we'll see if that happens. Um, uh, if it does happen, uh, there will be a little bit of a pause maybe uh, about where Georgia stands, but I do like where Georgia stands heading into September, um, getting closer to a decision date, and we'll see if he, he gets on any campuses for then. Um, as far as Aiden Breland, you know, we discussed and we let UGA Sports know, I haven't dropped a future cast back in, um, you know, late summer, I guess it's still in the summer, but uh, I guess it was late July that, we like where Georgia stood and a decision could come sooner than later. And there was nothing about it out at that point. And now it's starting to come out a little bit more that, um, you know, he, he's getting closer to a decision. And uh, I think originally he wasn't planning on announcing until late fall, even if it pushed closer to early signing day. So um, we do like where Georgia stands and uh, you know, there's, wait, there's only one publisher in the entire network who has made a prediction for Hayden Breland. Yeah, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I was just la- laughing at that, looking at it. There's, a, there's only one guy. It's just me. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I want to go back to this uh, comment that he had real quick. Um, and Lance, give, me, give your thought here. Um, mm. When he's asked what uh, Aiden Breland, you know, what's what he's looking for, he said the uh, uh, genuine family feel, great coaching staff, NFL development, just a place I can call home. I love the fans. The fans love me. I love the school. It's a perfect fit. Everything is just perfect. Um, when I'm looking at that, uh, his kind of top, top four is Oregon, Georgia, Miami, Texas A&M. Oregon's put a lot of guys in the NFL, so is Georgia. Miami has as well. Texas A&M is getting there. They've had some success, but uh, from that – guys in the portal. Yo, damn, man. Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> very, very true. But reading that uh, – can you infer anything from that, Lance? Are you talking about just kind of the, the quote that he gave? You know, quote about, that he gives. Does that sound like anybody? Well, I mean, I talked to uh, Zealous Hicks. I kept calling him Zealous Jones. The groomie Zealous Hicks the other night. And Zealous Hicks, even though he's a 26 kid, kind of said the same thing um, in terms of, like, you know, feeling feeling at home. And, and uh, you know, Z- Mr. Hicks mentioned, uh, you know, Georgia, Georgia develops guys and puts DBs and NFL players in the NFL. And that's been, I mean, evident ever since, you know, the Mark Rick era. But I mean, you go back to what, who is it? Todd Hartley talking about, you know, just how, and I think we're talking about something group me that there's like 26 guys on staff that are 26 staff members that graduated from UGA. And it kind of feels like a home atmosphere with all of those people you know, just selling the Georgia brand and, you know, repping the G. So I think that that, uh, you know, may have a lot to do with it as well and and making it, you know, kind of a home environment because, you know, these people lived here in college and now they've moved back um, and are still, you know, with the program. Yeah, I want to go back to something that Kirby said at the scrimmage, though, Jed. You said he didn't have enough defensive line depth. Hayden Breland is the number three defensive tackle in the nation. And I'm like, wait a minute. Trey Scott, at before you lost Bear Alexander and knowing you were going to lose Jalen Carter, uh, was raving out in L.A. about how much defensive line depth he had this year. And Kirby's like, oh, we need to develop more depth there. I'm like, that kind of came out of the blue. Is Kirby throwing a little uh, sales pitch into his uh, press conference? Yeah, it could be. You know, I mean, coaches love to do that kind of stuff because obviously they can't mention these kids by name. But, like, when you look at – and, you know, I think it might have been even a longer picture thing because you look at the guys who will be leaving after this year, like Zion Loeb's gone. Um, Nazir Stackhouse is gone. Um, Tremel Wildtower is gone. So that – and they all kind of play that three-tech position that Aiden Breland would be playing. So, um, you know, for this year's team, maybe it's not as much of a concern. When you look down, like next year, those three-tech guys, I mean, there, there's Tyrion Ingram Dawkins is there. Kristen Miller is there. Jordan Hall, we've all heard great reviews about from camp, can play three tech, but there's that's where I think you need to start building that depth is when you're looking down the line. And, you know, Jordan Thomas is committed. Um, Jordan Thomas, Justin Green are committed. Both those guys can play three tech, and Aylan Breland would fit in perfect at three tech, too. So um, that's kind of the, especially when you look at defensive line, he's kind of the, I don't know, not missing piece because the class is good without him, but that one big name that they're trying to get up front to really kind of round things out uh, from a defensive line standpoint. Give me your thoughts, Trent. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I do think, Jordan, that they've really focused on the five-take, and I think they've needed to because they've lacked the depth at that position. And I think Justin Green is a guy that can play out there. Um, I mean, you have several guys in this class that, that have the capability playing out there, but you're also needing to build depth on the interior as well. And I think Justin Green's a guy that could slide down. Uh, but I think that would be more so on nickel. And they're in nickel a lot, but uh, more so like third down pass rush type situations because he is a little light uh, to play that three-take right now. But I think Jordan Thomas is a guy. But I I, I do think Aiden Breland would kind of cap off a great class um, for Trey Scott because, you know, I, th- I think it's already good. But I think it could, uh, you know, add in a guy like Breland would make it, you know, kind of send it over the top to be great. All right, so we're talking five offensive line – I mean, six offensive line commits – five current defensive line commits with the addition of possible addition of one more six and six, you, you, you reinvigorate both sides of the ball. You went in the trenches. That's what uh, has set Georgia apart from these other teams that they played is big men in the trenches who can do what they do. Uh, you've won with some good skill players, but I mean, if you look back at uh, the fact you won a championship with, uh, a former walk-on quarterback, who's going to be really good in the NFL, but you didn't have, you know, uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. You didn't have a Jerry Judy. You didn't have some of those top guys. Now you had some great uh, tight ends, but you're not known for your five-star wide receivers and your running backs aren't as good as what you've had in the past. They've been serviceable, but to to me, when you look at what Georgia has on defense, that defensive front and offensive line, that's where they're going to get done. And what's Kirby doing this year after back-to-back titles, probably getting six of each. So I'm with you there. That can make this an elite class. Speaking of commits, I want to move to some of the commits and targets you guys saw in person. I know that Lance was on the road. Trent should have been on the road, but he was playing hooky at home with some house issue. I don't even want to get into it. I mean, you just say, hey, I don't want to go out Friday night. That's fine. We'll just we'll just let it go. Jed has just finished a 17-state, 400-mile road. I don't know. Jed was everywhere. The past few days, every time I called him, he was in a different city. So, uh, Jed, we'll start with you. Uh, you had a good story uh, on Sunday basically saying, look, uh, here are my thoughts on some of those guys. I know that stuff's behind the paywall, but go ahead and uh, share with some people who've uh, decided to join us tonight and talk a little uh, Georgia recruiting. Yeah, from a commit standpoint, um, you know, I saw Tay Harris again on Thursday. You know, I saw him in a scrimmage the week before, but they were playing on Thursday. Went to go see him again, and he's, you know, he didn't have a huge game. Like Rock Mart didn't throw at him a lot. They he plays. They run like the the triple option, so he plays the wing back. I guess the guy that comes in motion. He had he had some decent runs, but he just plays with an intensity, man. And, and it's so funny because. You know, Roddy and, and Trent and Lance, you too. We've, we've all interviewed Nick Chubb here, and he's just a really quiet guy, soft spoken in, in interview settings. And then you get on the field and he's super intense. And that's what Tay Harris is. He's getting in guys' faces. He's, you know, he just plays really, really intense and tough, like you'd expect from a Cedartown guy. And he he's really fast. He's he's built. I mean, he he told me the comparison is Javon Bullard. And I think he could be wow. He's, I think, 185 pounds right now, and he's got a year plus where he gets in college. So he could be a little bit bigger and a little bit faster version of Javon Bullard playing that star safety position. So uh, very impressed by him. Um, you know, Friday saw Julian Lewis at Carrollton. It was very impressive at 26 quarterback. Everybody knows him. Um, and then Saturday night saw Daniel Calhoun just 
you know, burying people in the dirt. He, he had <laughs> a favorite clip I got where he just kind of like gives a guy a chicken wing and the guy goes flying off camera. That was uh, my favorite clip I saw. But, you know, he's, he's 350 pounds. He said Georgia wants him to come in at like 340, 345. He looks like a man amongst boys because in high school he is. Um, I think he's got to play with that same level of intensity on every play. Like if he does that, he's going to be unstoppable. Not, not to say he he lacks effort or takes plays off, but just like he, he, sometimes he'll get to that point where he's about to just drive a guy into the ground and a guy gets off the block or, or whatever. So if he, if he plays with that same level of tenacity all the time, he's going to be unstoppable. But, um, you know, it's easy to see why he's a top 150, 120, whatever player he is in the country. So, uh, yeah, those two guys impressed me a lot uh, from from a commit standpoint. The guys I saw. Um, I was going to pull up that uh, video of some of the videos you shot of him, and I uh, it's fun to watch him throw people around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance, you actually went and saw Dylan Rayola uh, taking on one of the best teams in the country, and uh, Buford got a pretty big win there. Tell us about what you saw with uh, Dylan Rayola, the five star quarterback commit. Well, I mean, I think he's as advertised. Uh, he's very poised in the pocket. He uh, he took a few sacks. Again. I think he took four sacks, but um, he also avoided a few too and threw the ball away. He actually showed off his uh, his uh, mobility um, on some plays when uh, when the pocket crashed and he was able to you know rush for a few yards. I think he finished with negative rushing yards, but I think there were two or three plays that I counted in my notebook where he at least. Uh, you know, avoided a sack and, uh, and gains positive yardage. Um, you put, po- we posted that, uh, that throw that was incomplete that he just like stepped into for 65 yards. The receiver <laughs> couldn't come up with it, but good Lord, that was, that was a pretty, pretty ball. Um, and then, you, you know, you got to see a little bit of his short game. Uh, you know, I think he had the touchdown pass to, I don't know. I don't know if it was to Tyshawn white who, I think it's an LSU commit. And then obviously this little sore subject with KJ Bolden, the pass that he had with KJ Bolden, KJ Bolden ran an inward slant and he fit it right between two defenders kind of perfectly. And KJ was kind of sliding down uh, to make the catch. It was just, it was just an overall good game, you know, from him. And it was funny to uh, figure out that uh, he had never been to Waffle House before. Um, you know, he, he relocated from Arizona. So he, uh, he went and enjoyed an all-star special after the game i, I mean if you're gonna have a good uh if you're gonna come to georgia you gotta learn how to eat right oh exactly exactly that, sorry go ahead i was gonna say the uh right here folks if you're i hate if you're not watching excuse me if you're watching this you can see it but if you're listening to a recap and uh we're, we're basically playing highlights here of uh, uh dylan rayola yeah, this 65-yard pass. I got all sorts of hell for it. Why did you post a pass that wasn't completed? I'm like, because he effortlessly threw a 65-yard bomb, and it should have been caught or could have been caught. But I just thought, you know. And last week, the complaint was, well, his footwork's bad. He doesn't step into his throws. I'm like, well, hell, he stepped into this one, and it, it didn't look that tough. And right here, he's got a little ankle breaker spin move where he, bra- he jukes two guys to pick up positive yardage. And again, I'm not a, a quarterback uh, analyst. Uh, Trent, if you want to break down some stuff that you saw here. But I was like, you know, and especially this long pass here where he gets hit, he stays in the pocket, takes a lick, and still completes a 40-yard pass. That's not, is his first real game? I mean, this one actually counted. They're, against, they're playing yeah. one of the best teams in the nation, and they shut him out. And uh, I thought he had a good, pretty, pretty good night. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are going to look at that last pass. You know, he threw it off his back leg. He was being pressured. And, um, but 
uh, and he and he underthrew the ball. And, but you but also he only he threw the ball to the sideline, only allowing his guy to make the catch. So yeah. although it's you know it's a little underthrown, maybe. Uh, <laughs> at, but but he, he put it only where his receiver could make the play on the ball. So if the receiver don't make the play, that ball is going out of bounds. It's not going to be intercepted. So um, you know that's a dang good pass falling off your back foot about thirty five yards downfield. Um, you know, I, I like what he did. I, you know, you don't you see you see these highlights and you don't see his incompletions. And uh, you know, I didn't see the game live, but um, just from a footwork standpoint and him being able to, you know, uh, you know, he had some sacks, but just evade some of the pressure and the and the move that he put on with a spin move just just shows you know some of the stuff he's been working on to get more agile and um, be able to to move the pocket a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love if, I can add, if I can add on to that right fast, he talked about on on two of those touchdowns, he just talked about, um, you know, with me after the game in an interview that, you know, he he broke down the plays for me. I asked him, you know, what he saw on that on that touchdown pass to uh, K.J. Bolden. And he was like, they came out, you know, in a in a base defense and he didn't think they would do that. He goes, K.J. K.J. had one job and my ball was to put the ball right there. And he said if he could beat this, if he could beat the uh, – cornerback who knew the say he knew the safety was going to be go trying to cover Jay Allen on this side of the field so it's, it seemed like that he was very prepared for this game and that uh I mean he credited the Buford coaching staff for coming up with a great game plan because I mean if you know Buford's been like a pound the rock team throughout the last like 20 years but now that they've got a quarterback um that that's been here less than a month and that has picked up the offense that just shows how uh you know how how great he is um in terms of you know picking up picking up blitzes and packages and just knowledge, general knowledge of the game, yeah, he's, he was very plug and play. They brought him in. He's, he runs out there with the guys he hasn't done all these seven on sevens with. We actually had somebody in Arizona filming some of his sevens on sevens where he was supposed to be going to school and playing this fall. Uh, you know, learning it. So, in other words, there was a couple stops here in between. And he looks like he's been playing with these guys at Buford forever. So I just thought that was a, to your point, uh, he he's not a uh, guy just standing there picking up. He he did know the defense. He knew where to go with the ball. Uh, I thought it was quite impressive the fact that uh, he doesn't look like a guy that hasn't been there. How was well, he been there? Two months less? He's he told us less than yeah, yeah I think less than like a month and a half. Well, we talked about last week. I said the quarterback problem is not going to be an issue at Georgia because you got Cedric Van Pran. Well, when you've got a dad that's been a center um, in the NFL, then, you know, it's not going to be a a big, you know, him adapting that quickly is not very surprising, um, you know, at Buford. All right. Uh, any other commits that you guys saw? Any other targets you want to talk about? I saw, jeez, uh, Jaden Perlotti, uh how do you pronounce his last name? He's at Buford as well. He's currently committed to Georgia. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I think Jen Shanghai's going currently, currently. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and he he uh, uh I talked with him a little bit after the game. He was he was kind of caught up there on the sideline. Uh that unfortunate event, the kind of brawl that ended the game. He was I think he was the one that made a hit hit on the quarterback. Um but I mean, he he's very he's very fast. Um, I saw him, you know, go toe to toe with some of these big offensive linemen from St. Francis that have offers from you know multiple you know Power Five schools. Um, saw him make a couple of tackles too, and he also uh, Buford went for two on that second touchdown, and he uh, 
and he ran between the tackles and uh, lowered his head and or kept his head up, lowered his shoulders and uh, and scored a two point conversion. I thought that he was impressive. Did you get anybody else? Yeah, I mean, as far as targets, um, I, I mentioned Julian Lewis. Um, I saw Cortez Smith from Parkview, and he's a 25 guy who Georgia wants as a center. They're recruiting him as a center. Um, he played left tackle for Parkview, which is interesting. You know, he he's he, I mean, he's 6'3", 305 pounds, so definitely not a prototypical yeah. tackle, especially in the at, in college. But you know, he said Georgia likes his versatility and athleticism, which he showed off a little bit um, at Parkview. He said Georgia's been in contact pretty much every day um since since the contact period opened august 1st so he loves georgia his, his dad loves georgia georgia is in this one uh strong early and and you know this this class there's a lot of big long athletic tackle types i think the 25 class you need to get more of those interior guys and, and cortez smith will be a pretty good place to start you say he loves georgia and they love georgia uh, until there's a new nil deal everybody loves georgia until yeah. that happens that's true. I, sent you, I sent you a, a link of DeMello Jones. He's kind of like the, the sleeper commit in this class that nobody really talks about. And he, and he only went out this past weekend and rushed for, uh, let's see, 100, 166 yards on nine carries, had a touchdown, three receptions for 12 yards, one tackle, one pass deflection, even threw a pass. Yeah, I'm going to see him Friday, and I'm very excited. Because he, he had a great state championship game last year as junior yeah. Uh, and a losing effort against Prince Avenue. So, um, obviously, he's bigger, faster. Don't you watch this gear that he hits right there. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, poor safety. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a cornerback. My bad. He has an angle on him, too. Poor little 12. Wait, you know? is that an eighth grader, though? <laughs> Maybe. Well, I was talking to Jed, texting with Jed earlier today. I actually saw DeMello Jones uh, here in Athens when Swainsboro was in the Elite Eight of the – Whatever re, or division class A division two state basketball champs and he can jump out of the gym. He's a he's a pretty good basketball player too. I think he's just an all around great athlete. And I think some of those Swainsboro teammates that played was it they played against Prince Avenue in the state championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they were like the state champion four by one team or state runner up the year before. So um, yeah, he's very very impressive athlete. I agree with Trent. He's kind of a kind of a silent guy that think you know could make a huge difference well you, you talk about kj bold and you talk about all these guys at the safety position that george is working on but this is a guy that could very well you know slide to the safety position and you know play numerous positions even if you, you plug him in at star safety he probably play some cornerback he's got good speed so uh you know he's kind of a uh he uh, can can play anywhere in the secondary also showing uh pics of our clips of uh, daniel calhoun just Shoving a guy in the dirt, like here, eat the little rubber pellets. Eat the little rubber pellets. It's just so mean. Yeah, Demello was flying there. Uh, we got to find that nine car clip. It's on my Twitter. Um, yeah. I'll go find that one. Uh, tell you what, let's while I'm looking for that, uh, let's go ahead and hit up some of the questions from UJSports.com. I want to. Um, we'll start there, and I'll screw around in the background while uh, we do this here. Uh, Let's start with uh, Big Fatty 94. Big Fatty says, who do y'all see as UGA's biggest wants in the 25 class? What positions are the biggest needs going forward? I think Jed was kind of mentioning that, talking about, you know, in this class you got all those long, rangy uh, uh, defensive, uh, I mean, offensive tackles, uh, maybe some guards. Give me your thought. Where are they going to go? 
I know what I will say, but you guys are the experts. So y'all tell me what are the focuses for the 25 class? I mean, you know, landing one of these elite receivers is always a, a, um, a focus. I mean, but the thing is, is like, who is that going to be? Cause you know, Ryan Williams is, is committed to Alabama. Um, you know, there's Cameron Sparks from Tennessee that Georgia's in on there. There's so that that's still kind of developing. Um, you know, defensively, you look at like that three tech, five tech, they already have Justice Terry committed to Trent. You saw him at Under Armour and he dominated all week. Yeah, he, he was my, uh, he was my riding mate on the plane. He talked yeah, about having <laughs> on the way back. He just hung out the whole time. I forgot. So you already have him. Elijah Griffin is the number one player in the in the class from Savannah, very high on Georgia. So if you pair those two together in a defensive line class, that would be uh, just just absurd. Um, and I think you're still probably going to want to look at safeties. Um, you know, DJ Pickett from Florida is the number one safety in the class. Georgia is is involved with him. Although he, he says Georgia wants him at corner. I mean, but he's six four and like 195 pounds. So like that could be a corner, but I think he might find himself to the the safety star role when he gets to Athens. So um yeah, it's kind of a brief, brief synopsis, I guess. You know, you talked about Justice Terry, and I I really do, you know. Uh, seeing him at IMG, he 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 is very good. You know, seeing Aiden Breland, seeing uh, uh, Joseph Ajone, and and those guys, I think they're very good. I think Justice Terry would be right where he is in the twenty-five class that he is in twenty-four class. I think he's that good. I think he would be better. Really? I think he would be a number one or number two defense tackle in this class. Um, he. Uh, the same guy that trains him is the same guy that trained Trayvon Walker. He said that he is, um, you know, he, he he's right up there with him as far as work ethic, uh, getting it done in the weight room. And, he, I mean, you can tell he, he went down to IMG and it just dominated every offensive lineman that I saw. Just quickness. He can bull rush. He can he can do it all. I think that's the, that's the next good defensive tackle. You know, Georgia has that one, you know, elite defense tackle coming in, it seems like, every year. Uh, kind of Jordan Hall uh, is kind of like the next guy that you're looking at, but I think Justice Terry is going to be right there with him, uh, you know, a couple years behind him. You know, what about a guy that I think Jed went and saw last year down at Schley County outside linebacker, Zayden Walker in the 25 class. Um, mm -hmm. I think he has, I'm checking the page right now. I mean, he has a future cast UGA, um, you know, on our, on our site. And uh, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a big, he's a big kid at, like I said, six foot three, two twenty. He, uh, they, he played in the state championship game last year too. Um, the class A division two and got some, got some good exposure. Uh, the only thing, you know, right there is, uh, one of his best friends, Julius Solomon, who is a 24 kid cornerback, I think is going to South Carolina. So, you know, that may be a team to fight, but I mean, this is a kid that, you know, has multiple power five offers and, multiple SEC offers, including Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, and Florida, and <laughs> South Carolina, LSU. So, you know, I think he's a kid that's, uh, you know, a little under the uh, – you know, kind of like DeMello Jones, just South Georgia. That's um, a little bit under the uh, under the limelight that, or could burst out into the limelight. Okay. I'm surprised no one mentioned, like, the five or six safeties they need next year. Mm -hmm. Like the Joe you know they're going to take three elite linebackers and two elite tight ends, so it's just that's going to be <laughs> yeah, given. And you've already but, got one in Elias Williams, who is like six seven, uh, 
probably two hundred. You saw that clip, didn't you, Roddy? Last night that that, that clip that on uh, on Twitter that I put beefs that he moss those guys and oh yeah that yeah i did see that you know, I, I have that uh have lance's video here let's uh share uh let's open this up here and watch nicar do the his thing look at this stupid catch i still don't understand how he did it i don't know how his right arm came to where it was like yeah, I don't know how that said when his right arm his right arm oh. got jerked by the safety right there how does he get yeah. it back but he kept, no, he catches it with his left, and then switches it to his right. But I don't even know how he. Yeah, it's just because he's rolling. Look, he's got it in his right hand. Yeah, he um, switches it. See, switches this, it. this is some CGI shit, man. This is some. This I don't is, even know how that happened. Yeah, this, this that can't be real. <laughs> and that woman standing in the front of the plane going, "That man ain't real." That's what that is. That's just too confusing. I don't. I don't think that's that. That can't. And now he's like, "Hey, I just did it." I'm like. See it, so I'd love to see some other angles of that because that's just uh, nuts. Well, well, that's got a, that, that's like Sports Center top ten. When yeah. I saw Nye in their spring game, you know he he it he showed off. You know he, he's quick in space and and this and this and and has good moves or whatever. If you pair that with that and the you know jump ball ability and contested catch ability, like that's it's like um, you know I've seen people on on Twitter say like. People say Georgia can't recruit five-star receivers. That is a five-star receiver, you know, kind of play and the kind of skill set he's had where he's he's like fringe five-star territory right now. If he keeps making plays like that this season, he will – he might end up uh, with that fifth-star by his name. Yeah. Is, that a, is that a promise, Jed? <laughs> no, I can't promise anything. Um, you know, I, I, that's not how my rankings work because, as, as you all know, I'm responsible for all the rankings. But um, it's a situation I'm going to closely monitor. For sure. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was told in my intro. Yeah, Jed, it's true. That, that does the recruiting, all that. Or all right, going back to uh, the questions from Seabuck uh, uh, 11 of all the players you guys watched this weekend, who looked the most impressive? All right, Jed, you're the one that saw everybody. And if you don't rank them correctly, we will fail you. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, think of everybody I saw. I mean, this isn't necessarily Georgia related, but but Air Noland from Langston Hughes was was very impressive because he, he started off a little slow and and Langston Hughes, for those who watched that game on ESPN two, they ran the ball a lot, which worked. Um, and then he gets the ball back with four and a half minutes left, down by one, I think, and just just puts the entire team on his back. He had a, a crazy scramble where he, he rolled to his left and turned around and hit a kid in the middle of the field. He had another one where they had first and goal from the 25 after some penalties. He rolls to his left and, and drops one in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. So, you know, I, I mean, to be quite honest, to that point, I hadn't been super impressed. You know, he had a solid night, nothing spectacular. Yeah. Um, and then that last drive is, is what you expect a five-star quarterback to do, which is take over the game and, and win it for his team. So, um, not not necessarily Georgia related. I don't honestly don't even know if Georgia ever offered him. Um, but but Aaron Nolan was really impressive. You're talking about an Ohio State Ohio State commit when you know leading the team back in the fourth quarter and winning the game. Sounds like Stetson. Yeah. and you know, and the crazy thing is some of those plays reminded me of like C.J. Stroud out of nowhere turning into Lamar Jackson and running all over the place because Aaron Nolan hadn't done that at all all night, and then when his team needed it, he just he pulls it out of his bag and. Ooh, that that comes back from last year. 
guy hadn't run all over the place until <laughs> until he needed to. Yeah, until he runs forty yards in the fourth quarter. <laughs> right, it was that was. <laughs> I, I give Ohio State credit; those guys know how to recruit quarterbacks. There's no, no question about it. All right, let's uh, uh, move on to the next question there um, from uh, Almond Brothers. One, what are the recruiting timelines for Elijah Griffin and David Sanders? Now that goes back to some uh, questions about who does Georgia really want? I think. Yeah, David Sanders is one. I mean, that kid. David Sanders is a guy that everybody in the country wants because he is a freak. I've David never seen a guy that looks like a big wide receiver or a tight end that can block somebody like he does offense tackle, and he runs like a tight end. Like he literally ran like a four six four seven. Like he's. The thing he's is, Trent, we saw him at um, uh, what's it called? At un, not Under Armour. Yeah, Under Armour in January. The thing in in Atlanta or Carrollton. Um, and, you know, he told us he was wearing like 280 or 285 or whatever it was. And you're like, man, that's just it, – it's it's awfully small for a tackle. But then he just dominated everybody. And it, he just – it works for him. He's, he's so – I mean, what do we have him listed out there? He's, he's more than 255. He's at least 280. But yeah, it just – it worked. He's so strong and obviously athletic that he just dominates everybody. Like you said, Trent, I don't think I've ever seen a guy like that. It's, he, it's amazing. He, Literally standing in the offense line, and most of those offense linemen are like 330, 335 now. Um, and he literally looks like an eighth grader standing in there. And then he just gets up there and just whoops everybody's ass. So <laughs> he, he does look young, man. That's like it's, it's, that's almost like people, it's like the reverse of Darnell Washington. Like people said, Darnell was a tight end who's like another offensive lineman. Like it, imagine the like tackle eligible plays you could draw up with a guy like David Sanders who can move like that. On the oh, goal. It's 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 crazy. I guarantee he's got hands too. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, he's a, he's a basketball player. I'm pretty sure. Which like you got to be at that height because because not everyone is as un- unathletic as I am. Um, <laughs> hey, and Georgia has some success in North Carolina. I mean, uh, and you know, yeah. everyone when Stacy Searles got hired, the whole narrative was Stacy Searles can't recruit. David Sanders loves Stacy Searles. He's very very high on. He told me when Georgia hired Stacy Searles. From, I believe Stacy Searles gave him maybe his first offer. Uh, when Searles was in North Carolina, and he said, like, when Stacey Searles went to Georgia, that boosted Georgia way up for me. So, if I were costing out there, you were talking to the parents, and and you know, they they kind of raved about you know mm-hmm. the program and uh, uh Stacey Searles as well. Yep, so about the number one tackle and the number one offensive end, Elijah Griffin, uh, timeline on him at all. I mean, none that I know of. Um, I will say, I think. As far as number one kids go, I think his is going to be relatively drama-free. Like, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of – like, I don't think he – what's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't – he doesn't act like a number one prospect. Like, he's very – just – he's a good dude. He's down to earth. and and This is a Caleb Downs or K.J. Bolden type situation? No, it's it's just – he – I don't think there's going to be a lot. I think when he commits – it's going to be done. Like people on the board will reference Malachi Starks who committed to Georgia before his, I think senior year, right? Trent. And then never took another visit or anything. Like, I think that's not to say Elijah Griffin is going to commit in the spring, but I think that's the kind of recruitment he could have as he commits to whoever. And it's, it's done. I just think that's the kind of, of kid he is, is that's how he would want to handle things is just once he commits, it's done. He, he doesn't really like attention. 
Uh, I mean, heck, we didn't even hardly have any pictures of the kid on his rivals profile till a couple weeks ago. So very much not a spotlight guy. But I mean, so I think seeing see Savannah kind of gives me um, bad memories, bad dreams of what we had to cover with Demetrius Robertson. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You had to bring that up. <laughs> so anyway, no timeline, but um, that's the, the general scope of the recruitment, I think. And, you reminded me when you said Malachi Starks. Uh, I have a Malachi Starks autographed bag from your Also a uh, Frisbee that he signed for them. Tell you what, we'll give that away on next week's show. All you got to do is you can put a hashtag uh, in the if you comment with a hashtag. I got to figure out how to set it up. I know Paul knows how to do this. Where the hell is Paul? Paul should be doing this. Uh, but we'll get, get that away. So, uh, that's a guy who, like you said, is just low drama, but high, high results. Love and I'm, gonna, I'm seeing him Thursday, and I'm very, very interested. Malachi or Elijah? Griffin, Elijah Griffin. I Because I went in the spring, and uh, it was a practice, but it was like it was the day before the spring game, so it was essentially I mean, not even a walkthrough, so it's hard to tell. But the thing about him, I saw him. And I was like, you know, he's a good-looking kid, maybe a little smaller than I thought. Like, what do we what do we have listed at, 285? I thought he looked about, like, 270 maybe. He told me he was 290 pounds. <laughs> and he did not have – does not have an ounce of fat on him. Um, and it was – I don't know, like, carrying it well, whatever the phrase is, he, he's a good-looking kid for sure. Speaking of Paul. Uh, Paul says, do you think Elijah will reveal his commitment via an upside-down painting? <laughs> I think he's I'm already flushed, man. Don't, don't make me laugh. Uh, it'll be with a Publix cake. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for Lance. He, has, he doesn't know what happens. Yeah. These insider jokes, man. You, you, they'll get you up to speed real quick, Lance. Uh, the, the Publix cake was – who was that? That was Aubrey Sullivan. Aubrey Sullivan. So we had a person at UJSports.com. And, of course, when you go to UJ Sports and you click on the vent, you get all the Georgia football talk plus restaurant restaurant recommendations. But if you go to the vault, that's where we have all of our recruiting talk. I know you've posted notes over there. You post stories and such. Yeah. We had an insider uh, go over there one time and say, guys, I'm, I don't want to jinx it, but I just came back from the Publix – what city was that? Uh, <laughs> the Publix in his hometown. And I saw Lee, Lee County? Lee, yeah, Lee County Publix. <laughs> and I saw a Publix cake. They were decorated. It said, congratulations, Aubrey. Go dogs. It's all red and black icing. And everyone's like, what? I mean, everybody believed him. Hell, the first time I read it, I believed him. And then mm. I'm like, wait a minute. How the hell would you see it? I'm like, and it became a five, 10 page thread and people just talked about this damn cake for two, three weeks, <laughs> however long it was. Like, wait a minute, cake's old by now, but then he became a silent commit. It was just, it was one of the funniest things that's ever happened. And uh, then the person, the person came on there uh, much later and said, yeah, guys, I'm sorry. I just made all that, I made that whole thing up. Was that CK Johnson? Was that? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I, I made probably the only time I've laughed so hard was when we were tracking airplanes and the Oyster King went and got a bag of uh, crystals. That was probably the. Me and Jake were driving around Atlanta trying to figure out, just go to his basketball game, figure out where. 
but anyway, it, it was it was a complete hoax. But everybody bought it because it's who makes up that you went to Publix, saw a cake being decorated, saying "Congratulations, Aubrey, go dogs!" with red and black icing on it. Who? I mean, if you're going to say, "Hey," I mean, if you're going to sell a lie, like, "Hey, I spoke to his pastor, I spoke to his friend, I spoke to a cousin's, an ex girlfriend," you come up with something like that. You don't. The details were so well fleshed out that we all fell for it. So whenever you hear uh, is that kid coming to Georgia, check Publix, check the Publix cake. That's why. So <laughs> that was pretty just, clever. And it's still mentioned. Yeah. So uh, as Andy Stowe says, the dog father knows it. Yeah. Uh, Paul mentions uh, it was the Lee County uh, Publix. Yeah. So how did we don't even know if there's a Publix in Lee County. We just saw that just assume there was. I was just about to ask. Was it Lee County home of 2025 running back target Usman Chroma? So maybe we'll get Publix cake part two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he don't. He, that, that kid yeah. ain't going to public. I can tell you that. Like he's a. I said. I said. Well, who'd you grow? Who, taught that kid IMG. He said, "Who'd you go? Who'd you pull for him when you, you know, growing up as a kid?" And he said, well, "I don't know nothing about college football." Jen told me that on the road the other night <laughs> about. <laughs> like, oh, what right, is cool. the? Uh, what is the grocery store company? The, the, you, you get your groceries delivered to you. Instacart. Instacart. I had someone Instacart me when we were giving away all the confetti. Someone Instacarted me a key lime pot. I feel bad. I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, somebody came into the door. I got your order here. I'm like, I didn't order that. I sent him away. I thought, you screwed up. And then the Instacart people called. No, no, no. This is a gift. I'm like, oh. And she had to come back. and gave. We should send him a, a Publix cake. Ooh. Instacart. No idea. Wait, but then I don't want to get busted for some sort of NCAA infraction of giving gifts or something like that. But well, I'm not a booster, so it won't matter. All right, anyway, we've gotten far, far afield here. Uh, let's go to uh, uh, Andy Stowe's question. It says, have you guys scouted any, or watched any high school players who aren't currently ranked, but y'all really like and think they will blow up during their senior season? And I'm hoping for Georgia's sake that there's a long list of potential safeties that are going to blow up their senior year, as Jed mentioned in one of his stories, that Georgia will be in an offer and wind up getting some safeties because they're real thin right there. But uh, have you guys seen anybody in Lance? You cover a lot of high school games. Jed, yeah. you might have seen somebody. Trent, I know you have people hitting you up all the time. They're not ranked now, but with a big senior year, they could have a nice push. Yeah, I've got one. I mentioned it, I think, in the group, me and Jed today. Um, you know, I work for Lake Oconee News. It's my primary job. And um, there's a kid out of Greene County, uh, famously known for Josh Nesbitt, who went to Tech, and uh, they've had success over the, uh, throughout their last 20 years or so. But his name is Kevin Wynn. He's a 2025 defensive lineman. I don't know his uh, measurables, but I know that he has offers, according to his head coach, Terrence Banks, to North Carolina, Georgia, LSU, Miami, um, a bunch of, and a bunch of other uh, you know Power 5 and D5 schools. I'm actually going to go – see him play this Friday uh, working for the newspaper. So he's a guy to watch Kevin Wynn. Um, his nickname is Juju. He's a, uh, and I've gotten to know him too. He's a, uh, he's a pretty good kid off the field and uh, he's kind of tall and slender. He, uh, he can kind of play a little bit of outside linebacker for uh, the Tigers too. So he's a, uh, he's a kid that I know just off the top of my head. That's got a Georgia offer um, on the table for him. Uh, Bobby Sega says, uh, Chris Kreit, Lincoln County. So maybe we need to keep an yeah. eye on him. You know, a guy from the uh, 
what's good? Corky Kell games, you know, it's Trajan Greco from, from Mill Creek is actually committed to Georgia Tech. He's a three star, so not necessarily a, a nobody, but had a great. But you said unranked. It doesn't have to be a, a great yeah, nobody. It's just, it, he, he played really well. I mean, he, he lined up at, at corner, at safety, at nickel, I guess, or whatever you'd call it in Mill Creek's defense. He had a great game, a great game at receiver, caught a couple touchdowns. Um, you know, I guess he, Theoretically, could be a guy that Georgia turns up the heat on. I don't know if they offered in the first place, um, so that would be step one. Um, but he was a really good. He was a very good player, um, and a lot of people commented too. Um, I mean, Georgia's not going to take another running back, but the Justice Savage kid from um, Langston Hughes was a baller the other night. He dominated that. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that Langston Hughes was handing the ball off a lot. The reason why is because Justice Savage kept ripping off big gains. So, um, I mean, Cam Robinson from Mill Creek running back is good. A lot of good running backs out there. Um, but, yeah, as far as DBs go, Trajan Greco from Mill Creek was a really good one I saw this week. Trajan, you got one or you want me to give you mine? Give me yours. Just because you guys no, saw him the other day. Suck. Yes. He's going with Buford. <laughs> Give me that Jordan Allen kid that we had a good story on last week. He's not, he's not going to Georgia. I didn't have to say that. I just said he's not ranked yet. Uh, Sorry, so I tough for a guy that's five eight to get uh, huge rankings. But damn, that kid can play. Yeah, he's, he's fast. Um, I like to add uh, Tyreek Green out of Kell. He's a uh, twenty six kid. He's he's a running back, but I believe he also played. Uh, in the defensive backfield, a cornerback or safety. I think he had to leave the game against the Jet and I went to against Parkview a little early, but uh kid can uh kid can play his ass off. He's a five foot ten, one ninety kid, um, multi position, kind of all over the field type of kid. Uh he wasn't very uh happy when I was talking to him because you know Kell had lost the game, but I mean he was still very nice. And I think Georgia was one of his uh first offers a few years ago. There we go. All right, last question uh, from the uh, vault at ugasports.com. Uh, this one comes from Space Pope 3. Still a great name. It says, uh, if the state of Georgia passes a Missouri-style NIL law, would it be a game changer for in-state recruits? Jed, you had a great uh, recap today about how Georgia in the last two recruiting cycles has really missed out on the top players in-state. And you did have a very important caveat that – Maybe they didn't go after all those guys, but the way the rankings turned out, and I mean, there have been some really good players that Georgia doesn't go after in state or who they do go after and go somewhere else that are absolute ballers. You know, and they uh, think of an Alabama outside linebacker that did that. I can think of a running back and think of a safety. There's been some really good players in state that Georgia hasn't landed in the last couple of uh, uh, recruiting classes. But if Georgia were to have a Missouri style law, which the Missouri style law says, uh, if a kid signs an agreement, financial aid or uh, national letter of intent with the University of Missouri, and he is a Missouri athlete, a Missouri resident, he does not have to wait until he's in college to start receiving NIL. In other words, he could be hired in his uh, uh, senior season to start promoting uh, products, uh, to be the face of an, he could start receiving NIL funds. So, uh, We've seen that um, recently with Williams and Wannery. He, uh, he commits to Missouri. The 
as soon as he signs a financial aid agreement or it basically just says comes signs any official agreement, he can start receiving uh, NIL funds. And I think that would be a game changer in Georgia. Give me your guys take if you think that would change up things and uh, how likely you think the uh, uh, Georgia State Assembly is to in- implement such a thing. I think it's a, I mean, it would matter. But yeah, it would be a nightmare. Um, I mean, I think the thing is, though, like, I still don't know that that would change Georgia's approach to NIL, though. And I think that's kind of what is, you know, the, the main sticking point or whatever here is that Georgia wants to scale on roster retention and, and things like that. So whether a kid can start earning NIL money when he gets on campus or when he signs, I still think Georgia's thought process is the same of, you know, you will get whatever, like we'll have our, our ceiling of what we want to go to, but it's the long-term development. It's all that stuff. Now, if I'm Georgia tech, I think this is great. And that, yeah. that would, that would help you, um, especially because Georgia tech's, you know, being the, the engineering and whatever school they are, has got a lot of wealthy alums, I'm sure. But with Georgia, you know, it, it would help. It would make them a more attractive NIL destination purely from a timing standpoint. But in my opinion, I don't know that it would change a lot just because I don't think Kirby Smart would change his stance on NIL necessarily just because a kid could get it a few months earlier. I just think this has recruiting violations written all, written all over it. Um, signing financial aid, receiving NIL, flipping to another school. Now that school is on the ropes for the financial aid that you – you know, the uh, – it, there's just a lot goes into that. I think, uh, but you wouldn't be getting financial aid yet because you can sign no, no, you financial wouldn't. aid agreement with. Five, but you six can sign school. financial aid, and the school can talk about you or whatever, whatever you know. They can discuss That's you. Right, yeah. um, so there's a lot that goes into that, and I think you're just, you know, Kirby's trying to avoid all the the I guess. The drama and the NIL and the you know the controversies, and I think that's just adding another another. I mean, I think it, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I also think like Jed, Georgia doesn't have to recruit in state. If they miss out on every guy in state, they're, they're still going to land an elite class because they're able to recruit nationwide now. I think this helps out guys like you know we talked about even in the playing field. This would help Georgia Tech land one every once in a while. This would help uh, you know schools like a uh, uh, Michigan State land one every once in a while if it was up in Michigan or you know something like that. But it's it's um. More, more so even in the playing field and better for the schools that are not the top school in that uh, state, really, necessarily. Maybe like US, UCF would benefit from it. Well, maybe Florida because they're, they're I think, fourth best, best team in Florida. <laughs> well, I'll, I will say this. If you had that rule here, it probably wouldn't matter this year. But Kirby has his – limit or UGA has their limit on what they're going to do for NIL for incoming freshmen. And yes, they do put more of their war chest towards keeping like a Cedric Van Pran. Uh, shout out to Cedric, of course, who was uh, voted a preseason All-American today, uh, as well as four other uh, Georgia players. I thought that was a nice honor for him to pick up. But you, when you have a good war chest of NIL opportunities for guys who did not have that option when they enrolled at Georgia, yeah, it does help to keep them there. So money does move the needle or makes it, it lubricates a decision. Sometimes it makes things a little bit easier. Like, Hey, I've got no money or versus, you know, I need to go to the NFL and maybe be a late pick or I could uh, stick around and have some money and then maybe improve my chances. 
when Kirby's War Chest grows as it will through the Classic City Collective, they'll be able to do take care of their upperclassmen and guys potentially going to the NFL and have the money to go toe-to-toe with some of these really large NIL packages schools are putting together for just one or two kids. So I think if you had that ability to say, look, uh, you could sign with Ohio State, you know, if you're a Georgia kid. And if you're an early enrollee, maybe you start getting something in January. But if you're not, it's going to be June. But if you sign with Georgia and sign that financial aid agreement come uh, uh, September 1st, you're good to go. You'll get paid in high school. You know, uh, Delta will be, you know, they'll be whatever corporate entity or whatever law firm or whoever's putting up the NL money would be able to give right away to these kids. So I, yeah, I, I trust I me, I agree with be. what you're saying, but Kirby does so much to take every slight advantage he can. If you're saying, look, kids, you can get paid for a year before you go enroll somewhere else. Hell yeah, it'd be an advantage. It would work. I think a lot to have to do with, you know, what – what kid in particular that you're you're, you're talking about? Because I mean, like a Dylan Raul, for example. I know he's he's from out west, but uh, he's at Georgia now, or in the state of Georgia now. He wouldn't necessarily need that money up front, but there there is families that that would benefit from having that. Earlier. He'd be the exception for most of the kids that we cover. They could they could all I say they all, but the vast majority of them could use it. Hell, we could all use it. So they could all move to Buford and live in the city. <laughs> I, uh, I pulled up speaking of the recruitings there I pulled up the team rankings uh, they have shifted a bit mainly because the uh, the rankings have been reworked so Jed I want you to kind of uh, we'll finish up with uh, maybe pick a couple uh, uh, promotions amongst Georgia's recruiting class Georgia commits class and a couple guys who may have slid a little bit and we'll end the show with uh, you explaining why you ranked the guys the way you did. Yeah, again, I spent a lot of hours on this um, in my vast knowledge. So this is this, this is kind of my uh, my child here. So Georgia's got three five stars committed, sixteen commits in the top two fifty. Um, Dylan Riola hangs on as number one overall. Uh, top defensive prospect is Justin Williams, inside linebacker, number twelve overall. Uh, you got so I mentioned Nikar earlier. He's at 36 overall. So usually that five star range is from like 30 to 34 ish five stars. So Nikar is is right on the cusp of that. Um, so Georgia had Nitro Tuggle is 93rd overall. He is the last in the top 100. Georgia has six offensive commits in the top 100, which is yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Is uh, basic math tells me that six percent of the top one hundred is. They would have seven, but you dropped Daniel Calhoun out of the top one hundred. <laughs> right, that's true. So it could be even better if, uh, you know, luckily Daniel Calhoun didn't hurt me while I was at the Walton game the other night. So he should. Um, so six offensive commits in the top one hundred. Joseph Jonah Johnye is top top one hundred, and then Justin Williams, Ellis Robinson. Um, you've got. Christopher Jones and Chris Cole, two inside linebackers, one committed, one that Georgia's going for at 111 and 112 in the country. Um, we've got Ryan Puglisi finally debuting in the in the Rivals 250 at 215 overall. Uh, that's been a long time coming. People have tried to talk me into it. I kept telling them no. <laughs> uh, they finally wore me down on this one. So Puglisi's in. Um and then as far as targets, LJ McCray into the Rivals 250, 249 overall. 
let's see. We mentioned Chris Cole. Um, as far as targets, you know, Ryan Wingo, Zaquan Patterson, Georgia is, is kind of looking up with some others for them. Oh, Aiden Breland is 102 overall. That's who I was looking for. So, like I said, 16 of Georgia's 26 commits were in the top 250. Um, and the potential to add, I guess, with Breland and Cole could get to two more. So, and that's if, you know, a guy like Cam Michael doesn't get in or Sokovi White. I think Sokovi White should be a top 250 player, personally. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's where we're at. So, I think the next rankings are in but after the senior season. And then there's one more after all-star games and such, which can be huge because Jordan Hall made a huge jump after he tore up the All-American Bowl last year and ended up five-star. So, uh, but yeah, as, as the high school season gets going, that's where things kind of stand on the rankings. It seems like you have a lot of guys in between that 100 and 115. You know, you're trying to limit the Georgia bump and um, try to keep them out of the Rivals 100. Well, the thing is the top 100 is a nice round number. So, if, like you said, if you get them in that 100 to 115 range – it keeps the overall 100 number down, but the 250 number stays the same no matter where they're at. So it's really smart if you think about it. I, I had to think about how to keep the Georgia thing under control, um, and I found a nice little loophole doing that. So God, I hope somebody clips this and they put it out on Twitter uh, and everyone thinks this is real. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. So, uh, But, yeah, long story short, Georgia's got a lot of, of talented – I mean, the thing is, like, Sakobi White – is one of my favorite players to watch in this class. He's not in the top 250. Um, you know, Marcus Harrison's not in the top 250. He's got a lot of potential. Marquise Easley, who um, – or not Marquise Easley. Well, him too, but Nair Daniels, who Georgia Georgia staff is extremely high on on the offensive line, not in the 250. So some of the guys that the Georgia staff is most excited about are not in uh, my rankings here, which just goes to show you that I know way less about football than um, – than even your average bear. So, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of talent coming in at this class for sure. Um, that dude, that is saying a lot. All right, folks. So I, before I go to them, do you guys have anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Just, you know, we're all going to be back on the road this week, seeing guys and you know, follow along with UGA sports vault for all the updates. Actually, just let you end the, end the show each week. Hi right, folks. Take care. We will see you next week, and uh, we will have. Uh, be sure to get your questions in early. We we definitely want to add them to the list and put you on air and talk about them. And we should have some nice reports from uh, all over the state. We'll see you guys later.